Hi folks, welcome back to another episode of Reload Podcast. My name is Connor McCann and joining me as always are... Lee Maxwell. And Nigel Lamont. So this is episode 46 and we were at Titanic Dubs yesterday. We were planning to do the full episode down at the docks and... Yeah, well, it was a bit busy. We didn't really get doing exactly what we wanted to. It was to. definitely a bit busy. <laughs> I think Nigel was the most busy out of the three of us as well. Um, Panic stations all around. Yes, it was. Uh, to say the show was a success would be an understatement, but we'll talk a wee bit about that after. So in this episode, yep, we'll be doing our usual news, events, topics, and we're sitting down with Gettys Redmond from Redmond Auto Engineering to talk all things American in Northern Ireland. So... Before we go on with that, guys, what's new with you? Well, it might be very short because uh, I've just been trying to get things sorted out for the Titanic Dubs. So this past week or so has been basically getting uh, various things in, in line, balancing that between work and whatever else. I haven't got near a car to spawn or anything. Yeah, just getting doing site visits, getting things sorted out for the show so yeah that's what's new with me i'm afraid to prefer we can let you away with that considering how much works in that yeah <laughs> yeah what would you like not an awful lot from me either to be honest just work the usual i got some decals for my rear badges on the jetta yeah so the badges were all like faded and a bit kind of shitty looking but then other parts of the car are a bit faded and shitty looking, so it probably wasn't that bad, really. But yeah, I just wanted to freshen them up. So our friend Nelly, who has a Mark II, had repainted one of his his driver badge on the front of his Mark II mm-hmm. with um like silver model paint because he's into model cars and stuff. And it looked really good. So I was like, oh, maybe I could do that with mine. So I tried it and obviously I am not as good of a painter as Nelly. Yeah, because you don't looked, have hands, you're four feet. Yeah, I don't have a very steady hand, so apparently. But uh, it looked okay from a distance, but it wasn't great. So then I was looking at just getting new badges altogether. So you can get the left-hand Volkswagen badge from Heritage and a few other places online. But you can't get the right-hand badge, which says Jetta C. You can get other ones like Jetta CL and jetta something else but not the jetta c one yeah then i found that you can get decals like silver decals that go, go over the raised lettering so it was like they're only like six quid each or something so i was like Fuck it, worth a try it can't look any worse than go. it does um so yeah they look they're not perfect but they definitely look better than they did yeah they're better than the shitty faded like 40 year old badges that were on it yeah because i was like well i could still buy the new volkswagen one but then i would have one brand new spanky one and one shitty looking one and that wouldn't look right either i still reckon you buy it anyway and have it squirreled away yeah i think i probably will but uh, i have the same struggle with the mark one driver away and you just can't get the driver badges anymore for the mark ones is that a a rear one or a front one front one front one the uh, i must keep an eye out for that my my clips broke at the front, and I went on to the Mark One forum. It must be about two years ago, and I basically got laughed at, saying, "Is anybody selling these?" So that was my answer. Do you, <laughs> do you still have the badge? Yeah, it's just the clips, so it affects the clip basically with a bit of plastic bond. So yeah, I was going to say um, the um but, in the states, sir. There's perfection plastics, and Joe is doing you know like the Mark Three, like the really rare early Vento grills, and they're an absolute mm-hmm. fortune. But the tabs all break. 
he's actually 3D printing the replacement tabs and plastic welding them on. So I was thinking if you could get cool. somebody, say, like Ryan Connolly there or somebody to 3, or 3D print to them, the, the proper clips, you could probably plastic weld or bond them on. Yeah, well, it must actually stay around because I'm getting a revision done in the center cast from the Pegasus, so um, I'm going to put that to him, Yeah, he's a handy man. Mm. Yep, definitely. Just need dimensions and these all go. Well, we were talking to Richie about this last night and uh, he was saying back in the day, back in like the NCC days, people used to actually remove that silver lettering from the badges because they wanted blacked out badges. On the Saxos, yeah. Yeah, and I was like... You fools. You absolute <laughs> fools. About you're looking back now going, why did I do this? <laughs> but sure. That's all. Everybody everybody used to put clear indicator lenses around the car and then they're backed orange ones again. That's Just it, yeah. I actually noticed that in Pete Matthews M three yesterday had the orange indicators in it and it looks really cool against like the, the monochromatic scheme of the car with the grey all over it. I like yeah. coloured indicators, I must say. Nah, it definitely breaks things up a bit. That do you then? Pretty much, yeah. I've an absolute ball of stuff has been happening. Um, I'm yes, now a man. You've been quite a busy bee. Yeah, I'm now a man of the modern world, Nigel. So, all right, I've give in. And uh, Stefan and I went halfers on Vagcom from we bought it second hand from uh, I don't know if I can say who we bought it from, so maybe not. <laughs> but um, yeah, picked up a copy of it. I've literally no idea how to use it, but I'll soon learn, I'm sure. That or I'll brick the borough like somebody trying to hack an iPhone or something. Um, That'll be good. I was sort of debating, if I have it in my head, I have a Spur VR6, well, I have a couple of Spur VR6 engines lying around, and the wee Mark III convertible's doing nothing, and I was tempted to pull it in over winter and just paint it and throw the engine in and have a bit of fun with it for next year. And and why is this? Because <laughs> I'm jealous that Lee has a car to bring you're jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you, you still you still have a Mark III, Connor, don't you? In a six M Polo. I have three Mark Threes in a six M Polo, and and more than yeah. that. Yeah, no, but I mean, I mean, the, the ones that are in the shed are waiting work. Is what I'm saying. Well, no. See, my problem is that what I actually want to do to the green Mark Three will be an absolute fortune, and I can't really justify it while still kind of hanging on for the guards. So if I take a small, like literally a very small budget, and try and use what we have and do something oh, right. with the convertible because um, I can paint it myself and like I'll, I'll sort something I'm kind of on a budget of about a grand of 1500 quid for the whole car which is I have in my head um, and it would give me something that I can enjoy next year as opposed to riding bitch in the Jetta um, that's fun though isn't it it is <laughs> so yeah I was sort of debating that and then I was like I took the Jetta down to the RMS meet the other night and I was doing totally legal speeds as you would do in it um absolutely and yeah the jetta just loves doing legal speeds it does and when you're doing those legal speeds the steering gets a bit woolly so it's one of those things we haven't actually touched in that car yet suspension bushes and steering so i'm sort of thinking before i start anything else take it inside and just redo it and the coolant system because it's kind of like the last things that we haven't touched on a bar body work we discovered what a couple of shows ago I had it out in the drive. I was doing something under the bay or something. I can't even really remember. Mm-hmm. Oh, it was the day you were changing that washer hose to a new hose, do you remember? Yeah. And I looked in. Oh, yeah. Like, into the slam panel. And the bonnet catch is foul in the radiator. Yeah, so it's like drove so the, the top, top of the, of the radiator in. is fucked. Did you see it, mm. Nigel? No. Yeah, you sure did. Aye. So. And I was like, oh, dear. I'd like to revise that before we go any further. So, yeah, else. I'd like to get it. 
I don't know what radiators in it because it's kind of a mishmash of it's a Vauxhall, various Vauxhall combo things van, under there. I think, yeah. But it's definitely the wrong size. And then when we were changing the alternator at Cleanfest, well, we kind of knew already, but it became more apparent that some of the radiator hoses and stuff were just in like dead awkward places. Yeah. So it would be nice to get a different radiator or maybe even a custom radiator that has the outlets and stuff in the places that you want and is actually the right size so it doesn't get damaged yeah. when you close the bonnet. <laughs> yeah, it's always a plus. Like, you know, you want to keep the water inside the radiator. Usually, yeah, that's a better place for it. Um, what else was it in? <laughs> yeah, so sort of that's the idea with that. Um, went to the and same. change that goddamn engine mount. Oh yeah, poly mounts. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I went to the RMS, meet, met a guy on RMS from who actually lives about five mile away. Alan, he's a E92 M3, and turns out he's a listener when we get chatting to him, but had a good run down the road with him. Uh, who else did I meet down there? It was, it was actually good to see people I hadn't seen in like literally 10 years. Bumped into Tom Martin. Nigel, you know Tom, don't you? Had the polos? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. Tom chatting away. He's driving an MX-5 now. He actually requested a shout-out. I'm not going to give him a shout-out, but I'll talk about his car. <laughs> I don't give him a shout-out shout out there. Tom. Don't, don't, mention, don't, don't mention Tom Martin at all. No. No, no shout-outs. No mention. So uh, he bought an MX-5 off. It was an early import one that an old woman had owned for a lifetime. In their time, it was never painted. It was an automatic, very low miles. He's manual swapped it. He's put a like a really nice cage in it, Buddy Club P1s, real purposeful looking driver's car, and he's planned the turbo okay. it, so it's I like, I like that kind of thing. Tom's handy with the spawners, like you see what he did with yeah, his polo. If he, if he goes to the depths he went to with his old polo, you know, I think that's something serious to look forward to. You know, yeah, definitely. I think at the same time, I think the polo broke him as well. <laughs> <laughs> well <that's... laughs> Both monetary and mentally. <laughs> I think he went full sand and then a bit with that one. So yeah, I wasn't seeing that thing. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he does with that. Some really cool yeah, cars down at that. There was a Mark V Astra van with a full, I think it was a VXR engine and the VXR interior and stuff on it. I do is, like a Vauxhall, I must say. It's very unsuspecting. On the topic of our guest, Geddes, coming on, um, there was another sort of Chevy truck. I'll throw up a few pictures of was a lot smaller than his, um, like the traditional style bed and like the roll tops and stuff on it, with a Cummins turbo diesel in it. it was really cool. Was it red? No, it was like a almost like Gattis's, like the navy blue type oh, right, black okay. color. But yeah, it's been a busy two weeks, so that, that's as much as I've been up to. <laughs> Will we move on to our news? Yeah, absolutely. Nigel, do you want to go first? Yeah. Um, yeah, my first news is for some of our American listeners, it will be relevant to our UK Ireland uh, listeners. So GM America have advised that some Chevrolet Bolt owners might want to park their cars 50 foot or more away from other cars due to risk of fire and park <laughs> away from structures and park them outdoors. This is the continuing fallout from a recall that's been on for the last few years. It's going to end up costing nearly Chevrolet a billion dollars. That's um, serious. I think there's been 20 cars this year alone have went on fire. So it's basically down to defective sales from the supplier LG Chem that they had also supplied Hyundai with uh, the, the battery sales. And I think they agreed a 70% compensation payout. So, um, and are Hyundai having the yeah. same issues with it? Yes, apparently so. Um, I don't know exactly what it is about it, but it's defective sales and, and supply of it or something like that. Imagine um, 
like how do you park your car 50 feet well as you say it, it applies more to us listeners but like imagine the uk where we obviously don't have as much land around your house or anything like 50 foot's a right distance to try and park it from your house i won't be surprised america being america that somebody doesn't try and sue for stress that they thought the car was going to go oh, far you get that here now um, like a, not so long ago, remember the Vauxhall Sophia's, the people carriers? I they was, were going on fire. I was thinking that, yeah, like GM can't really escape this. Like they were having fires before they were electric, they were internal combustion. I think it was yeah. the heater resistor yeah. in the dash and the Sophia's were going on fire. Yeah, it was really, really, it was a weird thing, like so it was. Good heater in her, but was. not so good with the cooling. Uh, keep, you, keep you really, really warm, Connor. It would. <laughs> Should you remember when so I was thinking one about of the... Sorry, Nigel. When one of the Samsung phones came out, I can't remember what it was, but I they had, kept yeah. going on fire, and then and they wouldn't let you bring them on planes it's galaxy, and stuff. It's a galaxy, the galaxy, the galaxy. So it was, yeah, good old batteries. Or they they used to do an announcement. I remember flying a few times, and they did an announcement to say anybody who has this Samsung whatever model, you know, please notify, you know, please notify <laughs> the air hostess so we know that there's a potential fire risk or something i was like holy shit i what do you if it bursts into flames in the plane what do you do open the window and throw it out <laughs> <laughs> so i go ahead um, Nigel. no just to sort of close on that subject i think uh colt or bolt drivers should have a sticker you know like a bumper sticker in the back you know down this these sort of lines of you know if you're too close um sticker so their sticker should read if you can read this, your car is too close because mine might catch fire. Yep. <laughs> if you can read this, you're fucked. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, watch out if you're parking in a parking lot in America. Don't well, park near a boat. I have a funny feeling Dennis, FF Metalworks, was on about buying one of those quite recently, so pay heed, Dennis. Well, li- listen up, Dennis. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not. So that's my first bit of news. Uh, my first one is a follow-up from one that I had a, f- a few weeks ago. If me- any of you remember me talking about the Citroen Ami. Yes. Which is the teeny the little lunchbox car. So Citroen has confirmed the fully electric Ami will launch in the UK next year. And one suspects it might not be able to build them fast enough. They've already had 12,000 people in the UK register their interest and leave a £250 deposit. Yeah. It's pretty crazy, but they're so cute. What is the story of all these people? Like, all these, you know, we haven't built this car, but you can leave a deposit and you'll get it in five years. It's like, go fund me for car owner, or for car companies. Yeah. Um, the official reservation system's going live on the 27th, which is tomorrow. The full official price hasn't been announced yet, but it's probably going to be in the region of about six grand. That's the same day as the High Street voucher launches, so we use your High Street voucher wisely. <laughs> yeah, the government are giving us our money back. You, uh, yeah, well, you can't use those vouchers online, though, so... You go to the dealer. All oh, right. Well, you could go into the dealer, I suppose, yeah. It's mad to think, though, they're going to have a car out that's six grand. You know, 20 years ago, six grand would have bought you a brand new car, and now it obviously won't anywhere near it. Yeah, well, this isn't even really a car. Yeah, it's clearly it's going to move you around. It's a mobility. Don't you use those machine. terms with me? <laughs> mobility. Well, in some European countries, you're going to be able to like up people as young as fourteen are going to be able to drive them ah, that's under the cool. rules because it's not technically a car; it's like a quadricycle. Ah. Um, but the UK have said you will need a full car license to drive one in the UK. I wonder will that span like an offshoot of a modified car scene with like young guys that can drive those? I like we do with the mopeds and stuff in yeah. some countries where all the, the teenagers have... I would put them in the same category as people that vape. 
<laughs> You're a horse today, Nigel. <laughs> well, here's a, a quote from the Citroen boss, which is disgusting and wrong. That's a bit good. The time of petrol heads is progressively over. Citroen boss Vincent Kobe told TopGear.com recently, but the role of individual mobility in society is going to become more important for other dimensions than speed and cornering abilities. And that's because this little thing looks like a toaster and has a top speed of 28 miles an hour. And won't go around a corner? Probably not. That all sounds very good, but look at the demand there is for M cars, Golf R's, S3, RS3s in the UK. It's just insane. Nobody wants that anytime soon. Yeah, it's not going to go away. It just doesn't die out. Some people do. People love People people, who are wrong. People love speed. Yeah. But you can get speed from these electric cars. Not from that one. Not from this one. (laughs) But much as I'm loath to say it, more speed than you can get from most internal combustion cars. Yeah, certainly more acceleration anyway. Yeah, which is... Unfortunately, you need the noise too. So you do. Oh, 100%. I agree. I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, my first one then is very brief because there's not a whole lot of information on it. And I'm surprised neither of you guys had this, um, especially you, Nigel. Was yeah, he cut. Kenny from the block. He's getting married again. Yeah. So he was previously with Ford for, I think it got to 10 years and had separated there, sold off a lot of his fleet, which were Ford based. And I don't even think he had a video up of it at the time, but Audi had released a snippet of like what their future was and their branding, and at the end kind of just shows Ken Block, and that's pretty much it. I think it'll be pushed towards their performance EV range and not being the petrol stuff. Well, Audi are going fully electric from like 2024 or something, they say. Uh, so they say. Mm. So, uh, here's, what I, here, here's what I see this time next year, Ken Block. A UR Quattro replica running a mental electric engine. Yes, as I was wondering if they're going to do like a quadro-based unicorn type thing. Yeah. So it'd be interesting to keep an eye on that. As I say, there's not very much information on it, but it just sort of caught me eye and I thought, yeah, well, we'll watch that. You guys got any cool. more there? I have one last story. It's basically to do with um, Red Bull have been very, very bad people. They have upset the Ukrainians. So basically, Drifts don't organize to promote the Red Bull energy drink in Kiev, not Kiev, but KYIV, Ukraine, has infuriated city officials who say that it put public, put the public and a cathedral of great historical importance in danger. The stunt saw two cars drifting around a statue in front of the St. Sophia Cathedral, which is listed as a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Although the company asked the city for permission to film the stunt, Deputy Mayor said in an, an August, two, or August 10th Facebook post, the city officials turned the company down. But, you know, that just did, really didn't stop Red Bull. So uh, a certain morning, Red Bull just done early in the morning, secretly with no security measures to protect pedestrians, risking dub- dozens of lives. People would go to work in the morning across, across the square and had to avoid the drifting cars. The results could have been indeed tragic. Beyond the danger of the public, the drift cars driven by local guy Connor Shanahan and Oleska Sandra Ginevsky. I'm very good at Eastern European names. I see that. Um, her, uh, the video has since been taken down from Instagram. They've left tire marks uh, over more than 21,000 square foot of the uh, traditional yellow brick square. A Red Bull official later posted a video showing crew attempting to remove the tire marks, saying it would be better than it was, but to no avail. Rightnet also reports that the police have opened a probe into the incident, despite being accused of by the mayor of giving the event their blessing. 
So Red Bull have been very, very bold. Very naughty, naughty boys. So you were telling naughty you were saying boys. there Connor Shanahan was actually one of the drivers? According to that article it was, yeah. Fantastic. That's cool. <laughs> On the Irish there. Um yeah, that'll be interesting. So what's that Red Bull versus the Ukrainian government now? What's what what's the saying? Seek forgiveness rather than permission, or it's, better. Yes, it's easier to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission. That's it. Yeah, that's no, it. That, that's well. To be fair, they did ask for permission at the start. They just got turned down. <laughs> <laughs> they, they did. They heard the answer and didn't like it, but done it anyway. Yeah. Yep. They didn't get the answer they wanted, so they went all with it. Yeah, that'll be interesting yeah. to watch and see. Uh, Red Bull have nice big legal teams, so they'll make short work of. They'll probably make a donation to something. Yeah. Probably the mayor's bank account. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> He's very forgetful. <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, Lee? Uh, yes. Um, Apple have released a support document warning that exposure to high amplitude vibrations from some motorbike engines may damage the iPhone's camera. So a lot of people, as you can imagine, as they do with cars, um, use their phone on their motorbike for like sat-nav or whatever as they're driving along. Um, you can get mount for your handlebars and that kind of thing um however apparently this now it doesn't specify exactly what high amplitude vibrations from high power or high volume motorcycle engines specifically is but uh safe to say it's probably anything more than a 125 so they've suggested that or they said attaching an iphone to your bike is not recommended if you're going to go against the advice and do it anyway you should probably get a vibration dampening mount to lessen the chance of damaging the camera but if they're going to release an apple official version of that it'll probably be approximately one million pounds more than likely because apple stuff is super expensive Mm -hmm. much as i love it but um but i was thinking because i have an iphone and my Jetta is really, really rattly, vibrationy. Yeah, you need to get those poly mounts out of the engine mounts. And I was mounts. like, oh crap, am I going to fuck up my phone? So now I'm like, I need to get like a shockproof case or something. Because the Jetta is... Uh, Just don't set it in the dash. I know, but where else am I going to set it? In your pocket? It's too big. No, I'll be- I have first world problems. Like my snazzy phone is too big for my pockets. I know, imagine. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the... Um, need to get that engine mount sorted yeah definitely it's uh it's rattling that car apart it's pretty crazy like long journeys like when we got when we went to longford do you remember the old school new school like my hands you know we get like vibration white finger from yep. using power tools and stuff I, I felt like i had that from the steering wheel of the jetta my feet felt like that yeah like pins and needles in your feet yeah so that's on the list too and it's noisy as hell it is um my next one then is a sad and worrying bit of news for us old people who refuse change and it's 61 percent of new drivers will only do an automatic test so for anyone outside of the uk we have two different tests you can do your test in a manual and that covers you for automatics and manual cars or if you do it in an automatic that restricts you to automatic only so the IAM Road Smart done a study of 1,000 people aged 17 to 24 and they said they planned to do an auto-only test due to electric and hybrid vehicles being automatic only in the future. So that's kind of sad and worrying. Well, that's I was going to say, a lot of cars now only come with an automatic or DSG yeah. option. It's, you know, manuals are dying out, no, even in, not in electric vehicles, just in normal. Yeah, 10, 15 years ago, 
like DSG was probably one of the first to come through with Volkswagen for a good automatic box. Before it was the old slush type boxes, which were horrendous. You probably remember those, Nigel. Oh no, I'm too young for that. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, like I, I remember driving well, them. The, like the old, the, the old automatic gearboxes were just when, yep. and you don't know how it chose a gear or not. They just turned petrol into noise. Yeah. So yeah, we that's... had we had a we had a 2002 Discovery like, and it was probably one of the last per gearboxes you could get. Yeah, done that sort of thing. Yeah, my dad's pick just up. Hung, just just hung hung on to gears for far too long. Yeah, and then what it does change is like a big jolt out of it. Uh, yeah, yeah, not Somebody's fun. Somebody's hammer into the gears. You know? Um, and a more positive side of it, then a separate study they done showed, uh, well, um. Not so positive, actually. A more separate study showed that 80% of drivers were likely to go electric on their next vehicle, with only 5% saying that they were very unlikely to go electric. So we're in that 5%, I would say. Definitely. But uh, we're very much in the minority. So my last one, then, is uh, something I found quite humorous and exciting, was an Airbnb with a racetrack. Did any of you guys see this? Yes, I saw it. And I was like, we got to go stay there. <laughs> was, that, was that Taylor Ray done that? I don't know. Was it a drifter? The drift, the drift, the yes, drifter, there was somebody posted it. Uh, it was a drifter. So awesome. it's, Instagram, it's, right. it's called Little Talladega and it's in Missouri. And it offers potential vacationers, and I quote, a quarter mile track, uh, 5,800 square feet home, which is fairly huge, uh, garage, arcades, and an eight mile dirt oval. So if you couldn't have fun of that, I don't know. I don't want to be your friend if you couldn't have fun of that. Um, your, your, main, your main problems would be fuel and tires. Yeah, you want to stock up. That'll be cool. Um, so I kind of looked into it. Weekends naturally are booked up, but it's solid for months, probably oh, wow. from it kind of went down the rounds online. There's a two-night minimum stay of $2,000 per night, which is £1,463 for ourselves. How many people can sleep? I don't know, but it's a 4,800 square foot home. Like, it's, you can sleep. Yeah, so you can split it between a few people. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. That thought that was pretty cool. Oh, yeah, and just literally one last piece here is McRae's Batcar is up for auction. Have you seen it, Nigel? No, I haven't seen that. Yeah, it seems to be in Australia. Um, There's a current auction going on it, and it wouldn't be really a podcast if we didn't talk about a car auction. <laughs> um, So it's the 94 Batcar. It was actually driven by both McRae and Carlos Sainz. And as of this morning there, it's currently at £190,000 and climbing rapidly. So that'll be one mm. to watch and see what it does. For the rally heads out there, that would be the, the holy grail, certainly for me anyway. Definitely would, yeah. Just when you were talking about that track thing there, I remember reading a while ago, I've just looked it up again, the former Holden Proving Grounds in Australia, uh-huh. when GM decided Holden was no more, there's this huge big Proving Grounds with like test track and different stages and stuff and it's all like forest around it and stuff the people Vinfast cars I think they were called uh-huh. who had bought Holden the Holden name and all their property holdings and stuff they're an Asian firm then the sale fell through or something I can't really remember but then somebody had put an article up saying you know this proving grounds might be up for sale and I was like Holy shit, like how awesome would that be? So what you're telling me is an Australian YouTuber <laughs> needs to buy that up, like Adam LZ? I think it actually has now sold, but uh, yeah, it looked really cool. The three of us should have moved to Australia and bought her up. <laughs> Isle, you don't need a family anymore. Vin Diesel says we're all the family you need. 
Vin Diesel. <laughs> oh dear. Um, YouTube then? You guys got any? I've just got a quick rundown here. Take two seconds. I'll just highlights for me. Yeah, far on. Um, first one, the logo guys, Six Mile Style. Uh, they done a vlog there. We we're talking about yesterday. Just a, I think it's a 50 minute sort of vlog video with a road trip to fitted. Yeah, it's actually, I have um, that too. It's really good. Good, enjoyable video to watch. Uh, Drift Games, the last couple of weeks, I've been dipping in out of their videos. And they've done two videos there about the massive event that was Jap Fest last Sunday. Looked absolutely awesome. They've done two parts to it. They've done sort of in the pits and with Dave doing the drifting and then Josh done behind the scenes sort of part of it too. So that sounds good. It's it's a good series of videos to watch. Danny DC2 the last while has been building an E46 or an E36, can't remember. I think it's an E46 estate drift car. And it's got a 328i engine in it, but he's been building it up, taking a drift day and he finally got it all back together, took on a drift day and went through so many tires and the car didn't miss a beat. But if you want to check out Danny DC2, he's got a couple of videos. Is It's a really beaten up, the like green estate BM, E46. And it's an E46 or E36, whatever. It's a, it's a three series estate. And uh, he nicknamed it, he's from Yorkshire, the green bastard. The green bastard. Yeah. <laughs> I can hear that in his accent. Yeah, yeah, bastard. <laughs> so, uh, no, he takes it to drift day. And uh, he goes through so many tires; it's just comical. That sounds like so, a successful day. Him and him and his friends go out and have a bit of crack on the latest video. So there's that one too. Just stepping aside from YouTube, there's I think it's Ross Delaney showed an or shared an Instagram story last night of it's the Instagram page is TGR underscore WRC, and I think it's like a the Yaris WRC team. Right. And they put up a post there yesterday of the GR Yaris night stage practicing. Mm-hmm. It's basically in-car footage. It is absolutely insane. I think it's a two-minute video. Check it out. It's just mental, the speeds they're going down this. I think it's like a foresty track type place. They're such and a cool car, those. It's just fully committed, full sand. It's just like, holy shit, how are they going so fast down that road? So, well, that, that's, that's me. <laughs> my uh, my YouTube is a kind of a listener special, so I had the six mile style guys that you were talking about had their trip to uh, fitted UK. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It was a good mixture of like New Year traditional style show video where it's like you know pan on across cars and the so, music, yeah. And then, yeah, and then it'll cut into like a vlogginess, you know, in between that. So it kind of breaks it up, which is quite good. We watch one like that of the low show. Yeah. Do you remember, I can't remember who did it. EV guards EV did it. Guard. Yeah. Um, but it was a mixture of a vlog and a show video, and it, it was good. So, if you want to watch it, check out Six Miles Style. Um, next one, Mike Poli, Dog Pizza. He runs the Rabbit Hole, which is a prominently Mark One based uh, channel in the States, and he covered uh, Nick Becker's Junk Styles, Junk Food Meat. Uh, again, really, really good video. Just decent walk around of the show. You New. Know, nice shots some fantastic cars it's kind of like an all type show so it's mm-hmm. interesting to see what's going on over there um just a really nice vibe to it and then lastly Nigel you mentioned Ross Delaney there and his YouTube channel is just Ross Delaney and he done a video of James Doherty's wide body B5 S4 which you were talking about yesterday yeah um, good, yeah. such a high standard a car to go with that video like it, just check it out it's so cool so. Um, I don't have any YouTube, but I did watch the Schumacher documentary oh, on Netflix. Yeah. 
Yeah. It was very good. How Have you I seen it, Nigel? Have you not watched it yet? Yeah, I did. I did watch it. How did I forget to mention it? Sorry. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, what what a show. Right in the field. Yeah, it was, uh, especially the ending towards the end was quite emotional now, but uh, yeah, it, it's kind of thing what we expected was you're not going to get too much, like you, they're not going to be videoing them, you know, lying in his bed essentially, but a, a good tribute to somebody who did fantastic in their career and bit of insight into the family life and yeah. you know what they were thinking of him and how they supported him through his driving kind of thing so yeah i really enjoyed it Is that us for youtube then mm-hmm. yeah hold on just before we go any further i'd like to mention our sponsor reload global reload global are an enthusiast owned company providing you with not only premium automotive apparel but accessories such as garage banners posters stickers and air fresheners they're Northern Ireland based and are an official stockist for 8380 Labs in the UK and Europe. Pop on over to reload.global to view their online store and treat yourself to something nice. So we'll uh, we'll drop into our main topic here. As we mentioned, we were Titanic dubs yesterday and I did say to mention it was a success would be an understatement. I think, Nigel, is that the 10th anniversary of the Titanic dubs? As, as far as I know, it's the 10th anniversary, yeah. We'll say it is anyway, then. You're, well, you're <laughs> only the show organiser, don't oh, worry. You know what I think is hilarious? I, I don't know. I think uh, the funny thing is, like, Titanic dubs didn't stop for COVID. It kept going. Yeah, it, it hit the right time, didn't it? It was well, in that kind of really. lull in the middle of the year where some stuff started opening up again. and Yeah. I, th- I think I think basically last year, three weeks after the had Titanic dubs, the country went into lockdown again. Yeah. Yeah. No, it was cool. Even in the early days of Titanic dubs, you know, I don't think it was ever as busy as it was yesterday, was it? I was talking about this with Gaffin yesterday. I think year two, year three was busy, but that yesterday was just insane. Yeah. Like Lee and I were doing the gate and you get your morning rush and then it calms down and then you get the, the last minute rush and it was just constant the whole way in. It yeah. was absolutely insane. Yeah. And like for such a venue, a lot of shows kind of run their time, you know, and you think to yourself, no matter how good the venue is, if the show, you know, if it's down out, you know, you'll lose the venue. But like if that was a revival of it, it's cool to see because I love, I love that down there. It was so there. good to see. I was so happy. I'm not going to lie, probably... Four years ago, we were seriously considering shelving it. Yeah, I remember you oh. talking about it. Yeah, um, uh, no, it's it's cool. Um, such a venue too, as we've talked about before. Like you know, it's actually but, uh, on the dry dock where the Titanic was yeah, built. Yeah, you, you just take it for granted the views around there because you're you've been there you know, so many times. And just like that, but it's uh, and it's great now that they've got that whole walkway all the way from the Odyssey, the Titanic building up. There's a walkway the whole way up and down, so. Say you walk around the show for um, you know, an hour or two, the Belfast bike's there, so you could hire a bike and take yourself away down and look in around the Titanic quarter if you wanted. Yeah, there's so much to see and do around it. It's, it's absolutely class. Yeah. I think there was three or four cars came over from Scotland. Um, yeah, there were. And, and Neil Chapman, there was a fella in a white uh, city go was there as well. And I think there was a Mark five, a Mark 6 over from Scotland as well. Yeah. No, there definitely was. There was a number of Scottish ones come in past us. Yeah. Um, so on our main topic then of that, Geddes Redman's truck, what do you think of it? The man is an engineer in Marvel. He is. He's so cool. I so led back to that that truck's insane. Yeah. So I think we'll cut here and drop the interview in, will we? Yep, sounds good. Excellent. So we're down Titanic dubs. We've lost Nigel. Nigel's running about doing his usual busy head and panicking about things and yep. running around judging and doing all the work himself. So Lee and I are sitting in another uh 
odd T- podcast vehicle. T25? T25 transporter van. So recently we have recorded on a boat and we've recorded... In the rape pod. In the rape pod, yes. And again, it's laughing here. And uh, now we're tell in a van. Tell later. So, well, I'll tell you about that. <laughs> oh, I'll show you it later. So uh, we've got Geddes Redman here with us. And needless to say, there's a reason he's here. And the reason being that he's the only non-German, I should say, vehicle and not car in this show. Uh, Geddes, tell us what you have with you. Uh, I brought a, a truck I've been working on there for a couple of years, a 1953 GMC two-ton heavy truck but we did put a Volkswagen on the back of it you so did you're allowed in we, we, we gained we gained entrance so gained uh, our trust well I don't know about it. that <laughs> it's uh this thing's so cool and even trying to get you to do this today I went over and it was like constant people talking 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 because it's so different <laughs> heads fried I'd say at this point of the day now but where where does this start like where do you get a vehicle like this in Northern Ireland well you don't really I suppose I suppose, where does it all start? You sort of have to be a closet redneck. And, Which uh, you very much are. People would say, <laughs> I'm a bit of a closet redneck. Um, so I've been into American cars and muscle cars and trucks and friends of mine had had them and into the clubs and things. But I've never really had one of my own. And I wasn't really into the classic car scene because they're not very practical. You buy this huge barge, Dodge Charger or something, 20 feet long, 7 feet wide. And all you can do is park it in the shed, go to the odd show maybe once in a blue moon. Do a burnout. Do a burnout. All the usual big no, V8, but you V8 can't really noises. Nip down to Tesco in it or anything. No. So I I had a, a Land Rover um, before this, a 130 Land Rover that I put a Cummins 6BT into. Seems to be your thing. Yes, yes. And, uh, you know, it was, don't get me wrong, it was great. And uh, I had it in air and I took it to a few shows a few years ago and a guy approached me and I, and I sold it so I was on the hunt for something a bit bigger because the 130 was grand but for what I was doing I want to go pick a car up I kind of want the car hauler and sort of that sort of a style of a thing and if you look at the old American 40s and 50s trucks a lot of people do car haulers flatbeds and I was mm-hmm. like these are class I don't really want one of these they're an iconic shape too that's it they've got that kind of when you see it you have to look at it twice kind of thing yep. and I spent a lot of time out in America so I'd seen a good few different styles of them so I'd sort of my eye on a sort of first series um, they called it an advanced design truck um, it's kind of the post second world war mm-hmm. General Motors era they come out right we're going to do this truck every man's truck sort of a thing when they advertise them um, and I went on the hunt for one actually in, in Scotland I found it a guy Jim Horn he, he had it he imported it and uh, he'd had it two or three years lying in the yard. Um, I don't know if you'll, I'm sure you'll have pictures or something maybe to go with this. Yeah, we'll I can post pictures. Send you a picture when I got it. But um, yeah, it was pretty much just a rusty heap that that cut both sides of the bed off to get it in the container because right. eight foot bed, eight foot container. Fair enough, yeah. Doesn't fit. So they, they actually run a saw both sides of the bed and there's no prop shaft in it. The engine didn't run. It was pretty much just a full blown project. Um, and I picked it up and got it shipped from uh, Edinburgh back down over here, which wasn't easy either, trying to get someone to lift it with a low loader. But we got it home, and I could, I suppose this is where things started to get out of hand. It was We're familiar with this. <laughs> yeah. It was, I'll do a quick do a quick restoration on it. We'll get it running, we'll get it driving. And uh, the first thing that happened, then a guy seen that I'd bought it uh, on Facebook on the page, and he was like, I've been hunting for an engine a straight inline six engine for my Chevy restoration. Would you please, please sell me it? And I sort of hemmed and hawed, and I was like, "Well, I'll probably do an engine conversion anyway." 
I'll sell it to him. So I sold the engine. Um, once that started, then the snowball effect began. Of and, course. Um, so I was doing an engine conversion. And then when you're doing an engine conversion, well, I'd like to put it in air. Started then with the air, air suspension and um, maybe put modern axles in it now because I want to do more than 40 mile an hour. Mm-hmm. Started to go into <laughs> modern axles. And uh, so basically then the, there's, there's a few pictures floating about anyway, but the truck was stripped down to a bare chassis and uh, took it away and got it blasted and brought it back. And then I, I work at engineering. So started then, I drew the whole thing up in CAD, drew the whole chassis. I actually seen that on your build thread and it was incredible to see the whole thing actually like 3D modeled. Yeah. Did you see what you're working with then? Oh yeah. Yeah, so we started and I did the chassis and I probably only need to do the chassis, but at this stage, uh, Andrew McMaster, who is a guy that I put an LS3 Corvette engine into a Defender for. Yes. His business was 3D scanning. I love so, the way you say that casually, by the way. <laughs> Just drop that in. Well, I don't want to make this go on too long, but <laughs> um, that's a whole different story. But, but, well, I sort of knew Andrew, and he says, here, you did me a favor. You're jumping to scan the cab and the wings and, and everything, and then you'll have it for the model. So then he scanned, 3D scanned the whole cab and the wings and everything. And I got to put that in the model in. And to be honest, it actually was a great job because I had the 22 and a half inch Alcoas, yep. which are a big wheel and a big rim. And I'm trying to fit those up into the into the front wings. Mm-hmm. So it allowed me to start and mock out the, the front suspension, which basically I did uh, design and fabricate from scratch. There's just nothing on the market. The rear axle was pretty much a, a lift, lift deal and then made adapters for the wheels. But uh, no, the whole front suspension was all had to be fabricated. So, um, you know, getting hubs and stub axles and, and basically making the whole front axle. Uh, when you had the wings and all sitting there in the model, it was very easy to start and pull your dimensions and go, well, my rim's here, my adapter's this thick, offset, wheels, burns, and you could you could work in very quickly. Yeah, it's not the sort of vehicle, it's that heavy, everything's big and awkward. You can't kind of mock up things easy, where no. in a car is a lot easier to do. If you were going to start and do any work on it, you know it was a two-person job. Yeah. And that's what really took, I find it took the time, and obviously the space. You know, you're, mm-hmm. you're dealing with something that's 23 feet long, so it took up a lot of space. And it's easy when it's together now in the workshop to see it in the corner, but when it was apart, you had big pieces everywhere yeah and uh, i'm fortunate enough to have my own workshop and forklifts and things about that i acquired and fixed over the years as well so it made that a wee bit easier but still even just positioning the axle was a night yeah a whole night just just to, to, set, just it to set it in and get it on axle stands and jam a jack in and um and get that sort of side of things that take a wee bit longer than you're you know if you're working on mark II escort with an atlas bag in you pick it up with two hands yeah, so it's very much a one-person job. Yeah, so uh, no, it was it was uh, just sort of getting through the design process and then the attempted fabrication, you would say, and then go, oh well, that was a good idea. Yeah, back to the drawing board. Yeah, so, it was good, but it's not right. Yeah, so the there say. was a lot of back and forward and just getting the running gear. Obviously, we put a five-nine Cummins into it. Then was what replaced the uh, hundred horse two sixty-three petrol. Um, and uh, an ERF, a 2006 ERF lorry donated that and then the gearbox come out of a Leyland Roadrunner, 1980s Leyland Roadrunner and we, we cobbled together a bit of a flywheel and clutch to make it work mm-hmm. um, so that kind of formed the main powertrain and again them having it all in CAD you could plunk it in and I drew up a few cross members and some engine mounts and, and got that in but once we got kind of the main running gear in 
then it was on to the bodywork and the the rear bed and the tanks and things that you see kind of you know the, the main pieces that you see on the truck now and we started again looking for uh, we'll just put a tank on it and then it was i can't really just put a an ordinary square black tank on it yeah and uh, if you're going to do the job do it right is the age old mantra so uh I started hunting around for aluminium tanks and again in this country in Ireland hard to find good fabricating places yes whereas you go to like say Belgium or anywhere that's big into their Scania trucks or things there's guys making tanks large for scale stuff large scale big tanks and uh, so I bought a TIG welder at this stage and I then decided we're just going to learn so uh, if you look at the, the truck the stacks were the first thing that I actually made with TIG welder. I'd never really TIG welded. I'd done a lot of fabrication and MIG welding and things, and I'd done a lot of that before, but no TIG welding. So if you look at the stacks, the welding just wouldn't be as good as, until you get to the stainless steel tanks. That's like any sort of project, though, isn't it? You, know, you kind of go, well, yeah, this is going really well, and then as you get better, you look back at what you've done, and you're like, oh, I could have did that better. Yeah, that's it. And even there is wee bits on it, too, that I would probably go back and change, but kind of the so, way the truck's patented and, and stuff it kind of ties in yeah it's kind of like character so you just you sort of you can get away with certain things but uh no it, it, we're, we were then looking for tanks and we couldn't find any round tanks anywhere i literally went through frank castles um commercial truck and bus i i've been through every truck breaker in the whole country to try and find tanks and all the diesel tanks so on our trucks are all square then yeah they're most of them are square some of them are half rounds eh, but no round tanks and again you could go to america but you're talking like oh it could have been eight or nine thousand pound to get a set of round tanks so you're shipping and all yeah yeah i was just by chance then i was in clearways there and poured down and there was a whole pile of dished ends lying ah. in the corner and I, I, I thought you had those spun. No, I found them in a scrapyard, um, and I asked wh- wh- where, what were they from, and the guy told me, a guy come in, he was making uh, immersion heaters, you know, hot water boilers. Oh, yeah, yeah. So they're 316 stainless dished ends for hot water boiler heaters. So uh, I got them bought anyway for quite a cheap price. Happy days. And we then had to get barrels rolled, mm-hmm. the main barrels of the tanks rolled. We managed to get a guy to, to roll them, and, and again, just sort of... I had it drawn up in CAD. I had an idea what we were looking for, but nothing was set in stone. We just kind of felt our way through it. And when I had the tanks mounted before I started the bed, uh-huh. but I had an idea of tapering the bed in to clear the filler necks, yep. the tanks. So um, it was it was all a very sort of complicated jigsaw puzzle of fabrication. Um, but no, uh, got the tanks made up and the brackets and things, and then uh, obviously started on the, on the top bed of it then after that, which... Uh, wasn't exactly straightforward either. So you've actually done away. You said when that was imported, they cut the sides off the bed. There's none of the original bed left on that thing, no. is there? No. no, the original bed was steel. It was a perfect square mm-hmm. in steel. And they had the, to be fair, they had this really nice, like a, a profiled rolled channel down it, like oh, a wee, with yeah. a wee, wee edges and things on it. But it was uh, to try and put it back together the way that the hacked it off with a cotton torch Hack, it was no. just never going to be right it was and, a cotton torch ah uh, yeah that's uh, the, destroyed the, it, whenever they were putting putting it into the container they just you know uh, they put it in whatever way they could and yeah, they, they weren't being, they weren't being paid to keep it tidy they just if it was too wide it got cut off and that was it <laughs> um but yeah the the new bed then we we got the material out of alcoa metals in belfast and it's off the off the sort of shelf aluminium mm-hmm. and again 
never welded aluminium um, so we had to have a learning experience on that and a you know Lewis uh, Lewis Gray what was he drive uh, he is a 1970s Camaro and he had a couple other I know the car yeah yeah the grey one like yeah. uh, yep uh, Lewis uh, I was uh, he Mac Monkey his his business well mm-hmm. I, I sort of fell in with him with mountain bikes and stuff and uh, Lewis he then he'd done a lot of aluminium welding so he come up then and pitched Happy in is. and there's a couple of pictures on, on my page of two there's two TIG welders and three of us basically going to town on this this bed um, for, for a whole evening just to get it welded but that's the great thing about this project is that you obviously you've done so much with the Landrovers and conversion things like that and other things like in your early days with the French cars you know, you obviously are handy and you know what you're doing, but there's a lot that you don't know what you're doing and you're willing to tackle it, which That's, is what I love. Yeah, to be fair, if I don't know what I'm doing, I'll be the first to stick my hand up and go, I haven't got a clue. But you'll try but, and work it out. But we'll give it a go. Yeah, and we're see, a bit like that. See how we get on. And even there, just from being about at the shows and seeing other people's builds and talking to people, you know, you, you, you'll find someone somewhere in this country with a shed with exactly the right tool and exactly the right piece of material you just need to make the connection to them to find it and that's what i really like about the projects and obviously as i've been going along i've been getting more and more ambitious with the projects Mm -hmm. and it's it's always nice and refreshing to find another connection for someone that can can do a particular piece engineer or can make something and then you have that you know for your next one it's part of the car community like yeah, you're saying there about Andrew that done the 3D scanning and stuff for you. You know, you do something for him, he does something for you, and that's it. Very sweet. It all balances out in the end, and uh, I say it's just great. That, that that's what I enjoy. And you never know who's going to be in my workshop on a Friday or Saturday night, or who turns up with a Hamlin, as we would say. Oh yeah, <laughs> you know, needing something fixed or a gearbox welded or or this or that. And it's it's nice there um, just to have that. You know, to have that friendship and have them people turning up and you know, no one. You know, I could probably go to any town in the country now and know someone who knows someone that that knows what I'm up to. Or, You'll never or, be stuck. That's it. It's yeah. great. The car community is great like that. I think like. When we were in Scotland and my alternator had gone, yeah. although I managed to eventually get one through a guy that I work with, we had, had so many offers from, you know, tricks and a yeah. load of guys who were all like on the lookout and... What's the part number? We'll get you. We'll yeah, get you know, we're coming down to the show tomorrow. What what can we bring? And Nobody wants class. to see anybody stuck, especially yeah. away from home. That, so. That's it. And I, I find that, you know, even if something is expensive or something, you can find someone who knows someone that might have that and, yep. and you can you can sort of uh, work something out with favours or whatever and everyone's trying to pull the same direction I, I say I, I'd be very fortunate and lucky to have them people about and you know be able to call on them and likewise they can call on to me you, yeah. so uh, that's that's probably what would you know when you get into a real tight spot with a project um, with that one in particular whenever we're trying to fit the cab around the engine mm-hmm you know, I was up again, probably the worst stage in the project because it was just cab on, cab off, cab on, cab off. Um, a cab about the size of a polo. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it was, see, and it was a, a forklift in, a slinging and rigging match and get it out of the way. And then obviously with having the truck in the shed, it was all too big to be in there. So you had to undo the slinging and the rigging. You couldn't oh, just yeah. leave it. And uh, again, then funny, when I was up again the wall, that was when three or four people decided, sure, we'll come over on Saturday and we'll all sit there and we, we managed then to make pretty much the job I'd been at for about a week and a half done in a day. Brilliant. You yeah. know, and it's great, like, and, and we have good memories from it too. Oh, yeah. And uh, 
and getting it all sort of, you know, you get to stand back and look at the whole thing and not only go, well, Frig, I did that, but... We did that? Yeah, all the people that have been along the way will come up and chat to you at the show and all, you know, remember when we were doing this and that yep. and all that wee bit. And there's a bit of ribbon keeping you going. No, yep. of course, of course. <laughs> you know, probably not talk about that in the podcast, about what gets said and, uh, and whatnot. But no, it's it's great. And I said, it, it took, probably we're at that, that project, probably, I think I got it last two years ago in September. So it's nearly two years and we managed to turn it around into what it is from pretty much a, a full-blown project. So um, it was intense, but COVID came and COVID provided yeah, the opportunity to, to just get in the shed. And, you know, not that I don't enjoy people calling in, but, you know, if somebody calls in, you could lose... It slows you down. You could lose half an hour, an hour, two hours. So uh, there wasn't very many people calling around, so I was pretty much locked in the in the shed for, for two... That keeps you sane, too. That's, I, I was going to say, it. funny, there was a, a few of my friends that were furloughed and they had nothing. You know, they'd redecorated the house a couple of times yep. and they had nothing to do, whereas I was just Busy. big whiteboard, this job next, <laughs> this job next, this job next. And, uh, you know, it kept me going too through that. So it was uh, it was nice and it's just good to get it out now. We're, we're down here with it today and I think uh, there's still a few wee things that are going to be added to it. But for the most part, it's finished yeah when's a project ever finished yeah so, so the engines and the commons i yes. heard you were sending a guy earlier it's not a 12 valve that like you used before it's a 24 valve yes what sort of power are you putting with that it's a 450 horsepower estimated estimated now, uh, we're we've uh, the dodge ram i don't know if you've seen the that. julie the julie yes, yeah I've the 3500 julie well uh, that's that's my friend david's who would have given me a lot of hand building this as well and um, so i built his dodge ram it's a 24 valve same mm-hmm. as mine so they're both a 24 valve uh, 5.9 liter uh, common rail so they're from the early 2000s era the 12 valve commons that i put in the land rover before uh, they were called they called a 12 valve but it's a mechanical injection okay so noisy rattly they can still make a lot of power but they're Agricultural, agricultural. Yeah. That is the perfect word. Uh, whereas the twenty-four valves are becoming more readily available now because a lot of the trucks are being fifteen years old. They're starting to be scrapped, and uh, they're electric and full electric common rail injection. So they can do multiple injection events per cycle. So mm-hmm. they run a whole lot quieter, just like a modern diesel, pretty much. Yeah, uh, you'd find um, still massive displacement, massive torque, and. You can plug a laptop into them, stick a turbo on it, and the injection system that's on them, the CP3 pump and the injectors that are in it, will actually go up above 500 horsepower. Nice. Without having to put anything else on. Now, your EGTs and your, yeah, your yeah. boost is going to go through the roof if you don't put a bigger turbo on it, but you can uh, you can make do with it. And I've enjoyed it now. Big step up from wiring. You're talking into a whole lot of wiring with them. But again... I've done one. It took a while to do one, but now you I know can probably do another one very quickly. Um, so making a custom loom for it. Um, we're rewiring the whole truck anyway to go 24 volts. We're making a whole fuse box and loom for everything anyway. So I took it on, and I'm very impressed with it. I'm, I would put a 24 valve in now before it even touched a 12 valve. That's what I was going to ask. Which do you prefer now, having done the both? I would stick a 24 valve in everything Fantastic. for the sake of a day's worth of wirings all you're really taking on mm-hmm. and you're getting so much more back i've got cruise control in the truck i've oh. got pto high idle anything you want there that it's you would there. find in a normal a normal vehicle it's there and full diagnostics as well when you yep. plug a laptop in as you and say all the gauges that are on the dash mm-hmm. are all running off j 1939 can they're all ah. can driven gauges so you have two wires going in and out of each gauge runs temperature speedo everything 
Nice. So, so an oil line's not going to split and exactly. pump hot oil all over you. Yep. That's it. You're not running you know, multiple wires for all these different sensors. And the way that Cummins do the engine, all the sensors are already running into the ECU and you have two wires of can coming out. And you can, even there, I've got fuel consumption, miles per gallon, everything. I can knock that's through the wee, the wee display on the gauges and see everything that's going on. And a vehicle from, what is it, 1953, did you say? 1953, yeah. yeah that's impressive. 60, <laughs> 67 years old, isn't it? Maybe my math might be wrong. Don't quote there, me on that one. enough. Yeah, close enough to 70 years old anyway. The, uh, I see when you say, hey, that's wild. When you say 70 years old, I think 53, I think 50 years ago, but yeah, yeah that is 70 yeah. years old. We're now 2021. We're all getting very old, aren't yeah, we? Yeah, we're very old. Getting very old very quick. We used to be the young kids running around the car oh, parks. Tell me about and, us. Terrorizing. Yep, now we're all looking <laughs> at them with disgust. The, you right-hand drive swap that as well? Yep, right-hand uh, drive and power steering. So, if I remember right from your build thread, that's a solid metal dash. Mm-hmm. You cut it out and flipped it basically onto the other side. Yeah, yeah. We pretty much cut the middle, the whole dash out, and then we cut that in half, and then we swapped it over. So we we ended up with the the, the way that it was done originally, and the way that it fitted. We ended up with a glove box that used to be on the right hand drive side, in the middle, uh-huh. and the bit that was in the middle over to the left hand side, and then we fabricated up the new kind of dash piece with the gauges then to go on the right hand side. But it was again snowball effect. If we're going to put power steering into it. It'll be as handy to put the power steering on the right as the left, yep. bar cutting the dash up. Yep. So let's and, just do it. <laughs> why wouldn't that be easy? Yeah, that, well, that's it. You know, like it's it's just more work. You know, it's uh, that's the way I always looked at it. Is if you're going to do it, do it right. And yeah. once you start, that's the thing. Once you commit to the level of a project that I had in my head, all these things might look like insanity and in a pile of work. But it's just when you're in that deep, why you're already you up to your sort of waist. You may as well. You may as well keep going and go a bit deeper. It's the mix as well of like the old and the new unit because obviously the more modern 24 valve, it's not modern in lorry engine sense as such, yep. but it's a lot more modern what the truck is. But yes. then you've obviously used like 3D modeling and then you went, you've a lot of like 3D printed parts in your dash as That's well, right, haven't you? Because yeah. obviously the plastics injection molding would be insane we, for a one-off. Yeah, for the airlift there, the, the airlift controller and stuff now, we made a wee, wee like sort of bezel and stuff in the dash, but it, it's the same design as the glove box. Mm-hmm. So we took the glove box, 3D scanned it, and then basically 3D printed a new glove box, but with the cutouts and the recesses to fit the airlift controller in, so That's it all brilliant. matches in. But it still looks like the 1950s glove box. Yeah. And that was kind of the idea, is can we... Like, the interior of it's obviously all painted and all new, but the exterior is patinaed. Yeah. But at the same time, I didn't want to just leave a rusty, rusty patina mess, so I had to go through, and there's a lot of welding done. Um, new cab corners, um, bits of welding and dent removal in the top. And then once you do that, how do I mix paint up and yeah. get this all to look patinaed again? And it's actually far more difficult to do that than it would have been to actually just... Paint match it? paint it yeah. and paint the whole thing so it ended up being more work to keep the patina but I, I kind of I, I liked it you know and I always sort of it suited what I wanted to do with the truck because if you scratch it or dent it or it's a wee bit dirty it's, it's not, not really as noticeable if you go full concourse restoration the second somebody brushes up again it and scratches it you're you're going daft that's like your jetta yeah it needs painted I really want to paint the Jetta but at the same time I pulled up out here today and we were doing the gate and helping out with bits and pieces and then everybody was in the show and I hadn't even like wiped down the car, cleaned my wheels and then I was just like, 
Oh, fuck it. It'll be all right. <laughs> yep. So it's sitting there as it drove in this morning. It's a least jet. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's a 2.16 valve, twin 45 carbs, four into one. It's, it's a driver's be, car. Uh, she'd be racy. She drives it hard. So it's the sort of thing to, you know, if you do damage it, after you've just painted it, you're raging. Where yeah. if it needs painted, you go, well, now's the time to paint it kind That's of thing. That's it. You can yeah. sort of, if you've one stone chip, you're raging. But once you've five or six, it's you're okay, okay with number seven. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> well, I, I would be exactly kind of the, with the truck. Like, if you look at it, like, you'll see there, the rear bumper's got scratches and marks from the ramps and mm-hmm. putting things on and off. And I don't mind it. I think with the patina style of it, it suits it. You can get away with it a wee bit. Plus you're but using it. Plus you, that's the thing. I, I built it to use it. It's the reason why I didn't buy a Dodge Charger or Challenger because you're just left with a car that you can go to shows in, maybe drive it on a Sunday. But with that, you know, I can go, somebody breaks down, I can go and lift it. You know, mm-hmm. I've uh, lifted a few cars already for a few friends that broke down and a couple of motorbikes actually that broke down. And it's nice to be able to sort of, you have that nice, cool, classic vehicle, but you can also go and, and, and take it and actually do something with yeah, it. Yeah, super than, practical. That's it. And and don't get me wrong, you can't go to the shops in it really or anything. It's a bit big, but, you know, you can go and, you know, pick up a project. You can pick up an engine, pick up a gearbox. Pick up stuff that costs you money in the moment. Yeah, well, that's the problem, <laughs> isn't There's it? Nigel. So it is. Hello, Nigel. <laughs> hey, uh, I don't know if I can. <laughs> I'm under I'm under a lot of pressure here. So He's I'm under duress here. here. I'll, I'll jump out while you're. There you go. There we go. Interruption over. There's uh-huh. Spider-Man behind us. Everybody's here today. Oh, there you go. Indeed. I couldn't. No. I couldn't wear that suit. No. I look like Spider-Man no. the later years. I was going to say you wouldn't <laughs> want to see me in that suit either. Um, yeah. So as I say, like the truck is super practical. You can do whatever you want with it. It just everybody likes to look and go. Yeah, my car's cool and talk about it. You don't. You obviously haven't built this for the attention because you like to build stuff as Pretty I've much known it. you for years and it's always been the same kind of thing and a byproduct of what you do is the fact that people want to talk about it but yep. it just it must garner so much attention no matter where you go. It, yeah, it does. Now, I, to be fair, now, people would say I could talk for Ireland now too. Like but myself. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, but no, it's, I suppose it is something I think about when I go to take it out too is that you know if you take it somewhere you're in for a 30 to 40 minute stop no matter if it's down to the petrol station yeah you know um but okay it's i think it, it appeals to a lot of people that you wouldn't think it would appeal to mm-hmm. um everybody you know the kids if they see it you know as i was we were at oma there was it a week and a bit ago we went to the the show up in oma uh-huh. and the kids were all over it they were hanging off the wing mirrors they were up on the back of it they were tramping <laughs> all over it and you're like they absolutely love it and then you know the older older guys you know that are into their classic uh, lorries over here and a lot of them sort of the rally men and all they absolutely love it too they come over and i've had people turn in the road and come back and follow me up to my house just to talk to me which is a wee bit worrying like but, yeah but it's it's happened now and the, they'll uh, the, the, hear that people do seem to appreciate it and i thought for a long time when i when i was making a decision over whether i was gonna paint it or leave it the way it was i remember your pain over this yes Yes, um, it was. It wasn't exactly a decision that was made overnight. Even after six months, and when I finally made the decision to clear coat the patina, I still was on the fence and going, "Oh, is it all this work?" And then you know, leaving it, you know, unpainted, as people would say. And a, a lot of people do give me a lot of stick over the over oh, yeah. the over the lack of paint, sort of. But even people I thought would have been totally turned off by the the fact that it wasn't painted have to come up and run their hand 
over to, to, see, to see how it feels and then you know so I, I took that as a, as the right decision then you know yeah. even the people that are, are are sort of giving abuse over it are still coming up and going what does that feel like or how's that been done I think I remember seeing someone on your bill thread saying that during that period of decision whether to paint it or not was you have the patina now and if you clear coat it you can always paint it later once you paint it it's gone that's it you know it's it's game over for it once you scuff that down and put a coat of paint over it it's gone and funny today at the show I was chatting to guys you walked up to me yeah his brother-in-law is in California and his brother-in-law does the maintenance for that lumber company that's on the side that's of the truck. on the side of the truck that is so cool so it just uh, that's what we're just saying like it's such a crazy world for uh, his brother-in-law does the maintenance I says you know he was chatting to me and I says that company's still going he says I know he says my, my brother-in-law does all the maintenance for that lumber company what are the chances of that and uh, I'd been chatting with the president of the lumber company um, a few months ago by email because I was trying to get some old photos of the truck and see if I could gather a few wee bits of information up but he, he couldn't find any they had actually bought the company off another but maybe now hopefully with this guy who's on the ground there maybe a picture of something he could maybe around. go go and find someone and maybe put a wee bit more sort of instill a bit of pressure to go for like this guy standing here looking yeah. pictures maybe we'll actually find a few pictures of the truck back in the day and was the the current co- uh, company owner was he interested in seeing photos of it he, yeah he, i suppose he was he said it was a good job and all but uh, i think he was he, he sort of was i wouldn't say dismissive but he probably had a lot of other things going okay, on rather yeah. than something random from ireland asking here have you any pictures of this old truck from this company that you bought over from the 50s <laughs> Um, so no, uh, I got out there somewhere. I don't blame him, but he did tell me if I was ever over to call in, and he'd show me what he had, the history, and and all of the company. So, um, I suppose not a total loss, but hopefully maybe we'll 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 turn up a picture or two yet. That guy today could be a good lead on that. That's it, and that's that's the great thing about the shows and all. It's always you you meet these people that you would never normally meet, and you get out and about, and it's nice to get a bit of fresh air and talk shop for yeah for a couple hours anyway even if you're telling the same story over and over to the same people it's it's still interesting because you get different things from other people too that's it you get a few different ideas now of a couple of i know we're at a, a obviously a primarily volkswagen and audi show but i was i was looking about there and there's a couple of wee wee ideas that i wouldn't have thought of of a few way things are done and a few of the uh the volkswagens do you uh, not enjoy that about even other scenes looking through and going uh, like I secretly like Hondas. I think I've said this numerous times in the podcast, <laughs> and I, as much as I hate to admit it, but the the US Honda scene, what they do with engine bays and stuff, fascinates me. And I'm like, I yeah. try and carry that over into the Volkswagen side of things for me. Yeah. And I'm sure like, there's bound to be other stuff. Like, even the hot rod scene's very good for doing like shaved engine bays and that yes. kind of thing. So it, I'm glad to hear that it's going back your way from the Volkswagens. Well, that's it. Even there, obviously, my experience would largely be in Land Rovers. If you look under the front of that truck, you'll find several. Land Rover components yep. in underneath there that I've I've thought mm, that'll that'll, that'll work. work for me. And uh, funny, let's say I was just around there today, and I was in a uh, Gavin's or at Blackline this morning. He's in the middle of ripping apart a, a caddy, mm-hmm. and I was just eyeing up the caddy steering rack. Oh yeah. <laughs> so it was just to see maybe I'm I'm tempted now with the truck. Um, it's still got a solid front axle, um, and I'm very tempted to build a full uh, independent independent front suspension. Very good. Yep. And the word was getting away from me there. <laughs> but, you know, with airbags and, and the whole lot, but heavy, heavy-duty yes. truck stuff, use use truck wheel burns, truck hubs, truck brakes, but build a full independent front suspension. And, again, I've been hunting for steering racks and just getting, you know, just looking at things to mm-hmm. see what can I fit in and how can I fit it in. And uh, I think it's the a couple of the military vehicles there, the American uh, APC people carriers, 
they all have independent heavy uh, truck front suspension and you know you're just just need a few contacts over there uh, well that's it you're just picking up ideas and wee things and you can let them sit and marinate and then you'll stumble across a steering rack or or something that might work for you and bring, brings stuff. the idea a wee bit further forward you know um but no as i say the truck itself is finished inverted commas but will will probably be tearing it apart this winter of course i to, to uh, well i say i'm going to tear it apart and do a bit of repainting but uh, they say that likes that independent front suspension ideas kicking about as well as uh we need a winch for the bed i'm trying to find a nice cast iron classic looking winch mm-hmm. that i can put in the bed to fit sort of fit with the style but then i'm going to convert it to electric and version, 24 volt and 24 yeah. volt and get it get it going sort of build on a probably have to make a few brackets on the lathe and thing turn a few wee adapter shafts but try and get a classic looking winch to fit on the back of the truck so um it's just you know those sorts of things if you really have an idea of i want it to look this way you can't just drive down to the local shop and go no. i want a I want a cast iron winch that only came out on in the 40s and 50s you just have to sort of sort of resign yourself you're gonna to have to keep looking and eventually you'll stum- you'll stump stumble across or someone will ring you going here i know you're looking for a winch what about this that's that's the sort of thing you know people talk about like wheels and air and finance like that's the antichrist of that thing like and that you know I suppose like well like at the end of the day there's, looking. there's things you can buy and then there's things you just can't buy anymore yeah and that's like the wheels and stuff on that truck of mine are bought there they're off the shelf but then everything else around it, you, you can't buy. No. So you, you're left with the, the option of either either learn how to make it yourself and you make it yourself or you find someone who can make it for you. And obviously the latter is going to be a whole lot more expensive and I wouldn't have that much money about me. So uh, necessity is the mother of all inventions. Yep, so that's, that's pretty much the way that the whole truck progressed was to try and do the best job that I could with the tools that I had. And quite often, you know, we're sitting cobbling together a few pieces of angle iron to make a mandrel to bend to bend a piece of plate for the cab there yep. we welded in a few patches where it had rusted out and we're literally getting pieces of exhaust pipe and things and laying them out and trying to find see know, what works see what works to bend a I piece of metal and a you know just because you don't have all the tools or the right tools or even any tools um you can uh, you can manage to make something work um doesn't mean you can't do it when you call your guy on discovery channel there chad bad chad customs i know i haven't seen that have you not i never forget watching a a video of him trying to bend a piece of exhaust no mandrel bender no nothing he literally took the piece of pipe and started beating it on the ground right until he got it bent into the shape that he wanted and you thought and he made it look good by the Uh end of it all but just goes to show you even with no tools you can still do something you can still do something and I always remember that whenever my back's again the wall going well, at least I'm not beating a piece of exhaust pipe down <laughs> against the ground. To get that the man sh- can do that. That's it. You can make it work. So um, yeah, I think it's it's good to good to sort of hone that skill set. Um, I work in an office, day jobs, design engineering. So I sit behind a computer all day, and the trucks and the cars has always been a way to kind of stay, stay hands on. My dad was a lorry mechanic, so I grew up. In a, in a shed and whatnot working at lorries when from i was no age fixing things so it's uh it's always nice to keep the hands in yeah and that's why i always was sort of messing my cars i think it was always my way to kind of stay hands on no that's the best bit you know and just to finish up one of the things i've noticed on this truck and on your uh, previous 130 land rover mm-hmm. air ride what's mm-hmm. what's the crack with that because there's a lot of guys outside of the volkswagen scene are very anti-air ride where you seem to have embraced it for your builds well it was, I suppose, on the Land Rover, it was the first real air ride setup that I made. There was nobody doing air ride for Defenders at that stage. 
and funny there's a lot of guys now doing it based on the design that that i come up with but i find the air ride number one you don't have to worry about spring rates yep i was always if i was going to do the the, the suspension i want of the right coil springs and the right spring rates which could mean going and getting springs made if you go air ride providing you size the bag right you'll get the right spring rate yep and just adjustability you can have any ride height you want you can pretty much set her up nose up nose down and for loading on the truck the the gmc it meant i could raise the front and drop the back mm-hmm. and have really really shallow ramp angles then to get onto the bed and i always liked the look of lowered trucks even the land yeah. rover i thought it looked good actually when the it lowered. was when it was lowered well, most people go the other way yeah most yeah. people raise them up but the bags that i picked had a uh, 14 inches of travel oh, they're firestone bags so you could actually you got the long travel suspension as well you could raise it up way way up if you wanted to so uh just depend on, on, on what you were doing you had a lot of flexibility and really the only downside i find was i always carried a spare bag that's the yeah spare bag few fittings and a wee cutter that's it yep. that's all you need and don't get me wrong wee bit of complexity wee bit of wire and wee bit of piping but you know, it when wasn't you've, when you've done the rest of that. that that's it. <laughs> Again, it's it's when you're going to go that far, you kind of just have to go and, and, and do it right and go to the next the next level yeah. with it and try and put as much quality into the into the build. You know, you could have put it on leaf springs and whatnot, but you're going to be going down the road, rattling, bouncing. bouncing down the road. You know, even there, the rear bags. I was saying, I they're a bit big. They're for we're off quite a heavy truck and I might make put smaller bags on mm-hmm. but even put smaller bags on because it's on brackets because you know, you can take the brackets off design new brackets bolt in a fair bolt in a new bag and oh, you've no. changed your spring rate that's so. fantastic but that's all very logical so the haters will still hate them don't worry <laughs> <laughs> you're well, too logical <laughs> here there's people there that the, the you know again the trucks and the diesels and all too and people will comment on things throwing out a bit of hate here and there but sure someone said if you've got people hating on you you're doing something right yep and yeah, that's the way I look, look. That's, that's it built you for. can do whatever you want well we have only scratched the surface in this build really when you see the stuff that's in it where can people follow it because I know you have a lot of build threads you have YouTube oh, a bit of everything we're, we're starting a bit of YouTube yeah so uh, it's it's basically everything's Redman Engineering so I think the Facebook's Redman Auto Engineering the YouTube's Redman Engineering Instagram's Redman Auto Engineering um, so if you type in Redman Engineering you'll you'll find something and uh, yeah I try to keep posting there's a good few people now that follow me and again it's a it's a good way to get even a wee bit of advice from people and you can sort yep. of wee bit of a litmus test sometimes in your sanity when you're doing some crazy things yeah there's a lot of limits <laughs> there's a lot of smart people out there and equally as we said there's a lot of people that'll just hate yep. <laughs> but um, I, I can sort of block out the haters so I just keep posting away on social media and you know everyone can follow along there and get involved and see if I'm doing the right thing, the wrong thing, or maybe nothing at all. That's it. <laughs> Gareth, thanks very much for your time. Really, no really enjoyed this. Good catching up with you. And thanks for having me. It's uh, I, Hopefully it'll uh, it'll turn out all right. You have something you can, oh, you have some content you can publish, <laughs> publish somewhere or other. It's not just my random ramblings. That's just the usual for you. Yep, pretty much. Pretty much. Thank you. No bother. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, so as I said, that was our interview with Gareth Redmond. Um, such a cool guy that uh interview is only scratching the surface of what he has been involved in and like you think northern ireland you don't think you know american spec cars or anything like that and like he just casually drops in saying yeah dropped an ls3 into land rover for a guy and then he talks on you're like yeah. oh, whoa whoa <laughs> reverse there like that truck is so cool I, I took a few shots of it after the show as well i'll, I'll share them and the engineering and it's one of those things you keep walking around and seeing so many details in it yeah and 
you walk around with somebody else and they're pointing out more to you and just it's so cool but it's a passion for him like it's obvious that he oh yeah because it, it is his full-time profession but he looks like a professional of decades exactly yeah um like us he says he's a design engineer but trade but he likes to be hands-on his dad was a lorry mechanic you know so he he keeps his hands in the game essentially outside of work um at, and it really really shows you know and the, the good mixture of being able to fabricate and then you have the you know being able to design but also having the balls to just go for it and give something a go you know that's the thing it's not yeah. he's not somebody that woke up you know oh suddenly i can take well today i'm gonna give it a go and try it and see how it goes so it's a very very interesting chap and if you see him at a show don't be afraid to talk to him because much like myself he does like to talk um <laughs> and i say he dropped in at the end there about his social media so you can catch him on his, his build threads on facebook and then he has the bits and pieces on youtube too so definitely do check that out it's the, the, it's an insane build we were chatting to gavin from blackline um at the show yesterday as well we were talking about the truck and he said because obviously Geddes drove down with him in the va- when he was in the van. Yeah. And uh, he said, like, on the road, you just accept it. As it's just, like, it's not a slow thing. You know, it's not in anybody's way. It's got the modern engine and stuff in it. And, you know, the lights and everything. He has kind of more modern headlights in it. Mm-hmm. So, And he said, you just don't really think about it. It's just another Truck hauler. on the road. Yeah. It's but the, at the uh, same time, it's something totally different and awesome. It definitely moves, right? Considering as he, he said it's four hundred and fifty horsepower and a thousand foot pound of torque, roughly. So, it definitely will get up the road. Crazy. Before we move into the questions, I'd like to take a moment to talk about our sponsor, Studio Ten Bespoke Car Care. Studio Ten are a car care business located in Ballymena, Northern Ireland. Robin specialises in vehicle detailing, paintwork correction, and ceramic coatings. Studio 10 are the only Mavinci approved detailer based in Northern Ireland and are proud to have many years experience in the automotive industry. Studio 10 also offer an online training program, Foundation Pro. This program is designed for those who want to improve their current skill set, whether that be to detail their own vehicle to a much higher level or if they're considering starting their own validating business. The course also features many other benefits such as discount codes for various detailing companies and much more. To view all their detailing packages, training course, and obtain details on all the services they provide, visit their website at studio10car.care or simply Google Studio 10. You can also find them on Facebook and Instagram at Studio 10 Detailing. So just to finish up then, we'll move on to our questions. The first one then, these are the questions from previous we didn't get to, so we'll just kick through them. Uh, FF Metalworks, any EVs upcoming, or sorry, any upcoming EVs tickle your fancy? Rivian are looking good. Have you guys seen anything you would actually We Rivian want? trucks. Um, no. Citroen me. No. <laughs> I've, I've, sort of, I've sort of got a short list here of stuff I've seen I like. Mm-hmm. Um, A6 e-tron concept. Check out the pictures of that. It just looks like pure Yes. Yeah. Beauty. Yeah. Beauty. The Model S plaid played, whatever I want to say it, just for the sheer fact that it's over a thousand brake an electric car. Yeah. Um, here's a curveball, Hyundai Ionic 5. Look it up. It's actually quite nice looking. The new Hyundai electric stuff's looking very sharp. I've always said been modern Hyundais are quite nice looking. Yeah. They yeah. are. There was a, there's a Hyundai electric rally car that I think I talked about a few months ago. Yeah. And it, the rally car looks fucking awesome. Yeah, that's cool to see them doing something more normal with them. Also, down the vag, uh, continuing the vag theme is the new Cupra 
um, sort of ID3 platform they're going to use for the seats. Ah, interesting. Um, never seen, thought of that. I've seen release pictures of it. It looks absolutely menacing. It does. And then um, BMW, just for the other side of things, for the most hideous looking thing, look up the iX e-jeep thing. It just rough. There's a picture of it here. I'm looking at it. And it's just like, who drew this? Should it's have been a border. Ridiculous. <laughs> oh, just mental looking sort of. But the, yeah, that's what I've been sort of looking over lately. Uh, the one that really tickles my fancy at the minute is uh, Dennis actually put me on it. It's Alpha Motor Inc. on Instagram. They're starting to build like small pickup trucks so they're model alpha alpha yeah so it's a l p h a not fa they'll probably get sued though. um (laughs) alpha motor inc and the model is the wolf and it's like a classic looking two-door traditional style pickup in you know like a late 80s early 90s toyota hilux that kind of style Mm -hmm. and they're just so retro and classic looking that's probably where i would be looking towards it's, it's like a full guy's jeep Yes. You ever watch the Fall Guy? Yep. That's that's or the exact. one Marty Mc, Marty McFly and Back to the Future One, that sort of style. Yeah, that's the exact style yeah. of them. They looks. I think they would sell well. If if metal works again, if selling kids was legal, would you sell them? And what's the first thing car you ban? Of course you'd sell them. <laughs> People have <laughs> puppy you go, farms. You, you go far enough in <laughs> you go far enough into the undeveloped world and you can sell your children no ballers. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder what those people are driving. What what do they ban first? Um Open.er.imports, as uh, Nick Barry. He says, money's not an option. What's the one car you buy? That's always a difficult one for me because I'm not into the, the high-end stuff, but if forced, I'd probably buy the, well, I think I've talked about it before, like a Ferrari F50 in white with like a red interior. Red cloth interior would be nice. And then stance it. I, I love the gas. I love the gas monkey F40. I love that, yeah. I'd yeah, I think probably you my pick as well. <laughs> or a tumbler. The Tumblr, yes. Yeah. Uh, check underscore slow up. Am I the only one who listens to the very end of each episode in case there's bloopers at the end? Yeah, I do like to drop those in occasionally. <laughs> um, I do, I we do have that. plenty of bloopers. Well, we have a lot. Uh, there's a lot of them. Most don't make the cut. Um, <laughs> check underscore slow up again. Lego is cool, but have you guys started uh, buying Hot Wheels cars yet? I haven't bought any, I don't think, but I always get gifted I- them. I wasn't a big Matchbox kid when I was younger, but I Hot Wheels were always the one I went for over Matchbox because the Hot Wheels were always much cooler because they were sort of custom looking. Yeah, I a lot of the guys would send me stuff from the states, like parts and stuff. And Raf was a big guy for this, and he would have threw a few in for me, and that's how most of my the collection that I have. Okay, I like them, um, but I enjoy the build of Lego more. Yeah, you get more out of it because the, the little car. I mean, some of them are class and the detail and stuff in them, but. It's kind of like, okay, now I've bought it. It's just kind of sitting on a shelf. But <laughs> yeah, I like I like to build the Lego. Um, this is Rocco. One car for the rest of your days. 15 grand to spend. Apparently Touareg isn't the right answer. <laughs> Touareg would do me. How much is one of those really fancy fast Touaregs? Oh, the big ones? Oh, they'll R50? Be, oh, the R50. Well, yeah, Robin's old R50 came up for sale there recently. Nigel, what was that? Was that about 15 grand or so? 19, I think. 19. Right? We could beat yeah. them down. We'll, yeah. we'll bargain them down. Yeah. Cash. Cash. Okay. Cash is king. Uh, cash is king, as we learned yesterday, Nigel. <laughs> if, it's, if you're only going to have one car, some sort it's going to have to be something like that, or a pickup or something, because you're going to need the practicality at some point 
You need a Toyota. You need you a good reliable need Toyota. Something fast and fun and a bit of crack. Yeah. So it would have to I be. Think be. I think it'd be an S4 for me, a state. Oh. Now you're talking, yeah. That sort of ticks all the boxes. Um, Are they in that sort of, price bracket? I'm a, I'm a, yeah. I'm a big, I'm a big estate guy. It's fast. It's reliable. It, it all depends. Like that 15 grand, that do the rest of your days or what? what uh, does that cover that repair bills? <laughs> cover the clutch falling out of it? Um, yeah, that's true. But there you go. Um, no, I, 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 I do probably. like, as you know, those fast Audi estates too. But I think I would yeah. lean slightly more pick up EGP. Yeah, give me a second hand Hilux, I love that. I'm yeah, easy pleased. Um, Hilux and an S4, is that what we're saying? Close enough. That's a pretty good fleet, I'd say. Um, <laughs> Arn Noodle Hegarty, on a scale of one to wet, how, sorry, a scale of one to Scotland, how wet is it at the show? That was for Clean Fest two weeks ago. Surprisingly it's dry, dry Arn. Absolutely dry yeah. and not a bother. It yeah. threatened. It, it threatened rain, but never came, though. Really. We threatened back. <laughs> So, um, side, note, side note the forecast for Titanic Dubs yesterday was horrendous dismal it was and I was like oh no I thought it would put people off after lunchtime yesterday it was sunburned city yeah I got sunburned but that's nothing new <laughs> um, uh, Soul of the Road formerly Buster Conrad it's a long cultural question check your DMs this is interesting <laughs> he says all right, so I have this app called Radio Garden. It lets you listen to streaming sources by geographical location. And he's actually in... Oh, that's right. I remember this now. It's fantastic. <laughs> he's in Minnesota in the States. Um, sometimes on road trips, I'll point it to a random city and see what's up there. Uh, this isn't a question, but a tangent, tangential observation. You have a station in Ireland called The Upsetting Station, which I've never heard of, which was playing Coldplay. The name did not disappoint. Uh Anyhow, this goes on. I checked around some cities in Ireland, found a lot of terrestrial broadcast stations were running adverts for radio station dating services. It's probably Cool FM was our local one. Cool yeah. FM dating, yeah. Um, Downtown as well. Oh, imagine the old people in that. Um, the question is, is this a long-standing cultural thing or is this a result of people being locked up separate and horny during COVID? Either way, and then he inserts a Ron, Berg, or, uh, Ron Swanson what the hell just happened gif. Um, yeah, that's actually something that's went on for quite a while here. Cool FM Dayton's oh, been yeah. advertising. And... Do you remember they used to do... Um, oh God, I can't remember her name. What do you call the female DJ that used to do Cool FM in the evenings? Uh, Caroline Stewart? Yeah. No, after her. Oh... Yeah, I remember who you mean. But she used to do a, a whole section on the show of like people messaging people each other. messaging in date like dateline kind of thing, like and people or oh I met this guy in a club, didn't get his number, you know, get in contact and all this stuff. And some other creep messenger. Yeah. <laughs> so Carl McClemens, he says, Here Connor, not much of a podcast person, but the reload podcasts are fab. Keep me sane while on the lathe this week. Keep up what you guys are doing. Just wanted to recommend a YouTube channel, Samit, S-A-M-M-I-T. He's an Australian, living in Japan, and shows the whole Jap scene and auction scene there. All the shops that sell GTRs, etc. are pure class. I actually checked it out on my break a few times, and it's a really good good channel, so do check it out. Awesome. Um, Thank you very much. Thanks, Carl. Yes, so just to finish up, uh, Grant Gilliland. Uh, Hi guys, didn't get a chance to get chatting to you more at the weekend. That was for Clean Fest again. Got a question for your next episode. With the trailer test pretty much being scrapped, do you think that with a lot of car people bringing trailers to car shows, I uh, feel like this could be good for track days but bad for shows? I think it's a mixed bag. 
Um, if you're going a long, long distance and you have a car that you've put mega money into, I don't mind somebody trailering it down. You know, it's uh, un- it's a very controversial statement. But at the same time, yeah, drive your car. But if you've put 50, 60 grand into a Mark II Golf or something silly, you're not going to drive it, you know, six or seven hours to have it absolutely mangled either. Uh, just to, just to cry about the marks on it when you get there. Yeah, you know, it's it's obviously beyond a driver's car, but if you do drive it at that stage, yes, it's good. You know, take it out to local meets and runs, or if you trailer it down for a show that's a long weekend, drive it around the town and have a bit of fun in it. But I can understand why someone wouldn't want to drive it that distance. Really long distance. They're saying that there's Neil Chapman with that Scottish Mark IV that was over in Nigel. Like, drive it anywhere. Yeah, and he, he'll drive it down to like, you know, Ultimate Dubs, which is probably the guts of a couple of hundred miles for those guys, and that's a high end car. He's going down to Ultimate Stance here in October, November as well in Telford. Yeah, and he'll drive it like that's, um, that's a six or seven hour drive. So there is, there's a lot of, there's a lot to be said for that too, like which is impressive. But Definitely. it's something I'm sort of on the fence about. But yeah, scrap the trailer test. Give me my trailer. <laughs> it just, <laughs> it might open it up more to one of my pet peeves, which is unfinished cars at shows ah fair enough yeah and I'm like well don't bring it if it's not done yet yeah are you hinting towards a certain Mark II that appeared in the scene a few years ago you attacking per Matt no 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 an English car oh uh, about 10 years ago was it 10 years ago nah. it turned up and it had no, no limb at all yep aye yeah that broke my heart no not even because that was that's slightly different that's a car that isn't really a car but I'm talking about people who bring their projects. Say, I don't mind and, like, that. Stick something on it saying, "Oh, work in progress." And I'm like, "Well, don't bring it to a show then, because it's not done." But then I, <laughs> I, I, I don't mind stuff like that because, like, John Peden brought the the BMW that he's building to Dubshed one year, and but then there's a lot of engineering work in that that will get hidden eventually. So it's interesting to walk around it and see what's been done to it before it's finished in that regard. Mm, okay, take your point, but still. So I'm right. <laughs> no, you're still not. The odd exception, but as a general rule, don't be a dick. Don't be a dick. That, that goes for a ring of life. Drive your car, drive your car. Indeed. Is that us then, folks? I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just Before before we go, I'd just like to thank everybody who came to the Tannock Dubs yesterday. It means a lot. And uh, yeah. It's looking good for next year with more events. And apologies, we didn't get talking to more people. That's what yeah. I was going to say. It was so good to see everybody. I had such a great day, but at the same time, there's so many people I didn't get speaking to. Or, you know, again, you know, briefly at the gate, I said, oh, hello, you know, I'll catch you later. And I didn't. But, you know, it was overall, it was a, it was a good day. And thanks, Danny yeah. Maxwell, as well, for letting us record in the camper with uh, yes. Gattis. It was yeah. actually a brilliant yeah, recording studio. We're going to have to find somewhere really cool next time now. Yeah, I know. <laughs> going back to our houses is going to be weird. <laughs> uh, yeah. This is so dull. <laughs> so, yeah, as always, folks, thanks very much for the questions and thanks very much for everybody that listens to us. It still is weird almost two years on. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, at Reload Podcast. My own is at Connor McCann. I'm at Maxwell House 46 and I'm at V Dubboy. And we'll see you again, folks. Goodbye. Thanks. Bye. 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 Bye.
This is the interview being dropped in. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> beep, um, boop, beep, boop. Technical that's wizardry. Right, that's right. <laughs> beep, boop, beep, boop, beep, boop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, dear.